Okay, Jerry, we are now rocking and rolling. Definitely on mute. All right, great. Uh, thank you, everyone, for. Um, oops, sorry, Jordan, did I come in a little hot there? <laughs> uh, I don't know what I can do about my volume. If it's... Okay, okay. Uh, okay, so we'll open the meeting. Uh, thanks, everyone, for attending tonight the uh, July edition of our. Uh, Lawrence, City of Lawrence Cultural, Cultural Arts Commission uh, meeting. We will ha have a brief uh, housekeeping message from Porter and then we'll call the meeting to order and get on with the agenda. So Porter, over to you for the housekeeping. Thank you, Jerry. Um, I just want to remind everybody that for this um, virtual meeting, we are recording the meeting. We are broadcasting directly to YouTube. Um, and that um, everybody should practice good muting when they're not involved in the meeting and um, you can turn your screen off if necessary. I know sometimes that helps with Wi-Fi connections and that sort of thing, but obviously turn your video on please when you are um, participating in the meeting. And um, just for the sake of folks who, we don't have anybody on the phone, so we're probably okay, but it's not a bad idea just to say your name before you speak, so somebody who may be listening in um, knows who's speaking. And I'll turn it back to Jerry. I have 7.35, I'll call the meeting to order. And we'll do a roll call. I will uh, read off the names, and if you would say here. We'll start with Christina Walker. And I believe she's on vacation. Okay. Joshua Fallleaf. Here. Marlo Angel. Here. Denise Stone. Here. Mary Dufton. She's waving, but I can't hear her words. That's because I couldn't get it unmuted. I'm here. <laughs> Great. Uh, James Alexander. Let's see. Here. Yes. Got him. Sarah Curry. Tonight. Jordan Martinez. Here. Dina Amal. Here. Daniel Smith. Here. And I'm Jerry Johnson here. Uh, so again, thank you all for uh, participating tonight. I would like to propose a change in our agenda. Uh, we received some information uh, that we requested uh, from Van Gogh for their um, mural proposal. And I'd like to move them up from old business to in fact, right now so that we can um, uh, take care of that agenda item uh, post haste since those folks have been here. I think the last two, maybe this might be their third meeting. Eliza, thanks for being patient with us. Um, anybody have any objection to moving that up to the front of our agenda? I see heads shaking no, so let's go ahead and do that. Um, 
Do we want to put the letters up or has everyone had a chance to review this letters of support? Uh, hang on just a second and I can pull them up. Bear with me. While he's doing that, uh, Liza, thank you so much for sending that stuff. The, the letter, particularly from the bank, is exactly what I think we were looking to see. I mean, definitive support. Absolutely. We're down with this idea. So um, that, that makes it clear to me. Uh, anyway, and the other ones are great, too. Those are uh, certainly neighbors, you know, of, of that wall, if you will. And uh, so those, those are super helpful to me. And um, I, I hope to everyone else I'll, I'll uh, we'll give time if, if we can get it up, we'll give time for folks to chime in and give their thoughts as well. But I, I again, appreciate you all doing that. And it makes it perfectly clear to me that your neighbors uh, support uh, the effort. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So yeah, the letters are included in the um, agenda packet tonight, and I'm just kind of scrolling through the letter from U.S. Bank. And the neighboring businesses. Anyone have any questions or comments on the uh, letters from the neighbors? I don't see any. Uh, so I guess I'll just take the lead on that. I, I propose that we recommend to the commission uh, that they approve the uh, going forward with this mural. Second. All right. Well, let's hold a vote. All in favor say aye. And maybe we can see a show of hands as well. All right, let the record show that everyone raised their hand affirmatively. It's unanimous. Excellent. Yay. All right. <laughs> I wanted to share a little tiny anecdote, which was when I popped into Milton's, of course, it was busy. And David didn't really want to, you know, spend much time. And I said, I'm not asking for you anything, anything for you. But you know, we want to do this mural. And he literally turned around and like shouted it to his staff and was so enthusiastic and excited and was like, I'll chip in. And so it was a nice um, vote of confidence. So I thought you might enjoy hearing that. So excellent. Well, he, he definitely will have a chance to enjoy it. Since yeah, I know it's right there. So thank you all for your support. We really appreciate it and hope to See you here again in the future with more mural projects. Great. Thanks for sticking with it. And thank you for uh, following our process. We really appreciate it. No problem. We'll know more for next time. Thank you. Okay. Um, not to look ahead, but how about this mural action we've been seeing the last few months? That's really really incredible huh you're, you're, uh, three, you're three for three yeah uh but enough foreshadowing on my part let's uh let's follow the agenda so um we are going to talk uh next our first piece of new business sort of new business is uh is the 
facility, RFQ, um, and we have several documents that are in our agenda that are related to that. Um, uh, order, help me out tonight. Are we? I mean, are we reviewing that? Do we? Are we going to make a motion on anything? Tonight we are. Okay. Yeah, so let let's... me, Mr. Chair, if I may, um, Joe O'Connell is with us tonight and he can make a, a he's going to give a brief presentation. He shared this presentation before. Just as a quick reminder, we started this process pre-pandemic with an extensive selection panel process. Um, Denise participated in that process. Um, Joe is one of six artists um, that were interviewed for the project and he was selected. Um, he's done a terrific job working with both the police department and engaging with the community and staff, learning about the site. And of course, then we had the pandemic, which slowed everything down significantly. Um, Joe did come out and visit the site um, last fall. And um, so he got time with the police department again and actually saw the site. And it's, you know, it's been one of those things with a lot of different ideas about the park site and everything else. But I think what I really appreciate is working with an artist like Joe who has good experience in this area. And even though there were a lot of, you know, ideas pitched, he stuck to what felt right for him. And um, I think that's ended in a really good result. Um, it's unique. It's, it's somewhat different. It's not a sculpture per se, but it's sort of an architectural sculpture of, of sorts. I'll let him speak to that better. Um, so I just want to tee it up that way because it's been a pleasure working with him and I'm excited that we've gotten here. Um, I wish it hadn't been through a pandemic because I think that made it somewhat clumsy on, on the uh, process side, but we are here now. He has a good proposal. Um, we're working out some details with the Parks Department, so I may not take this straight to the Art Commission until we get those things resolved, but we are here tonight for your review and, and um, if all goes well, approval and recommendation to move forward with the City Commission. So with that, I will turn it over to Joe. And Joe, do you want to share your screen or do you want me to... I can share my screen. I have the presentation. Okay. Um, and, and it was attached to the agenda, so some people may have already seen it. Um, give me a second, and I will share that. Oh, I'm disabled. Oh, sorry. Hang on. That's a security measure, but I can fix that. There you go. Great. So I'll just take, like, a few minutes to go through this. I won't necessarily speak at every slide. Um, so I, as Porter mentioned, I had a chance to visit in November 2020 when the headquarters was under construction. I met with several officers. We walked through just about every aspect of it and I learned a lot about the, um, the approach to community policing that's being followed. And it seems like it's a great thing to support both the officers and the community. Um, we sketched up some ideas. I wouldn't expect you to like uh, look at this, but this this rectangle here is the police headquarters, and we evaluated many different potential areas on the site. But given timing and then the public and police connection, we kind of settled on um, this grassy area where the trail meets the road. And just spending some time in the area, I noticed it's a place where people walk and jog along the sidewalk. And then, well, at the time I took this, it was a little bit overgrown, the entrance to the uh, to the trail right there. And there's, there's space. I have um, 
One other piece I did years ago has been really successful. It's like a sculptural pavilion that has since um, had a park built around it. Um, you know, some people see this as a memorial to fallen cyclists, but people have gotten married in it. It's also frequented by like the um, really lycra cycling crowd as well. It's sort of an exuberant celebration of cycling culture. Um, and then lately I've been playing with um, these arrangements of glass. And when I held this up to me, it reminds me a little bit of an eye. And um, we've also done pieces outdoors in harsh climates with this glass stainless combination, and it's worked out really well. So I started looking at um, uh, the idea of looking through other people's eyes um, as both the central facet of policing and then understanding where they're coming from. And even just a good, good advice for life um, is to see the world through other people's eyes from time to time. So I collected 10 sets of eyes to express people at different points in their lives and um, with different experiences and emotions because you never know what's going through someone's mind. But um, by looking th at their eyes, we often feel that we can understand what what's going through them. And so um, some of these were collected from Lawrence, Kansas. Um, I've had one contribution of a... Um, from the Lawrence community. Um, and we have many races represented. I also wanted to get old people with a sense of wisdom, openness, um, and young people a little bit more ready to engage. Um, I wanted that full range of humanity. And so at the top here, I sketched those eyes and then I overlaid by overlaying with the photos and then um, in my computer, I aligned that to the different sizes of glass that I've been working with. And then this is kind of hard to understand outside of context. I only did two of the faces. Um, I made these different colors based on the clear glass that we have. Um, and then I put it into a pavilion made out of stainless steel. And the idea is that you have this pavilion and as you approach it, you're seeing all of these different faces and you walk in under one of these arches that's under one of the faces. And then you can look around on the inside and you may walk out under a different one. Um, and, you know, part of art is just to be pretty. And I think it, it's a colorful, fun place to meet. Um, but then as you walk around, you'll look up through the different, faces and hopefully get some of that emotion and that feel of looking through someone else's eyes and, and them looking at you. So I'm just going to zip through some of these. Um, we've been talking with parks about different ways they might make a, um, an accessible trail with a little room around it uh, for people to gather. Um, here, I'll just zip through. They, they preferred the circular. And then we do a lot with lighting at night. And this, these are arbitrary patterns, but I've had some contact with members in the community with the idea of um, animal faces and animals' eyes looking at you that live in this area. And I think that's one opportunity in this projecting sphere. Um, so here's a piece uh, in Lenexa, Kansas. And this isn't Photoshopped. We do really 
um, a lot of interesting work with these point source projection fixtures we've invented that project through silhouettes and make really distinct shadows on the ground. So this is, this is kind of what it'll really look like. Um, not a huge amount of light, but just enough to give it a real sense of space at night. And this is, this is the view coming down the walking path and looking toward it. Um, so there's really two areas where I'd love to get more community input. And one of those is what are the pa what patterns to put up in the light sculpture above? And then if you have faces uh, of community members um, who you think express wisdom and experience and all of the depth that hopefully we gain as we get older, feel free to pass those on. And so Joe, um, two weeks ago, uh, Joe and I were on a, two virtual community meetings. Unfortunately, we didn't get much participation. Uh, it was actually a great chance for Joe and I to catch up um, and talk art for a while. But as a result of that, there was a Journal World article, and he, you know, shared that he was looking for, you know, feedback and, and these types of things. And that's where the animal story came out. There's a very interesting story about um, a deer that apparently had been displaced by some of the um, construction work out there. And so that was really sweet that somebody was able to share that and immediately, you know, conjured the idea. Maybe that's an, an image opportunity. And then I believe somebody um, from the police department shared their eyes, which represent um, um, native eyes, which I thought was yeah. really, really wonderful. Um, so it's always interesting to see what comes out. You know, admittedly, because this is not a well-established neighborhood and there are rentals and, and some transient aspects, we just haven't garnered a lot of um, interest from the neighborhood. But we do know that there are joggers out there. We have a couple of staff people that live in that area. And the fact that the new park is going in slowly but surely um, and that both police and, and locals will be using that area for walking and that type of thing. It really, you know, this lended itself well to that environment. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really like the idea of the, I, I went out there today and I was, uh, I hadn't, didn't have the benefit of, of having had looked at this uh, prior to going out there, but I was trying to, you know, figure out where the location was going to be in everything and i saw this trailhead right there and and uh, so I, I i love that idea of connecting that community aspect you know the the trail and so forth with the facility itself um so i appreciate that i also also like the idea of the animals for the light casting the uh, silhouettes so. I have a question. Does that trail connect with Rock Chalk Park? No, okay. um, it's, it's a small park north of the police facility. Um, mm -hmm. That said, I'm, I'm guessing there may be a way to connect, not literally, but I'm sure that there's access points, but this doesn't connect directly. Where does it go then? Joe, if you can go um, it, in the, actually, wait a minute. I, uh, let's see, if you stop showing your screen. Yeah, and as Porter pulls it up, my understanding is, so I visited and it's an open field where people sometimes walk their dogs, but that's, uh, for, that's planned to be a uh, family park. 
you you enter the path, walk through the woods, and that's also a slated area for um, further development by the police for training and practice and potentially interacting with people. And then you get to what will be a small community park that's currently a field. So this is the um, request for qualifications that went out in the spring of 20, 2019. This is when the building was still just an idea or a concept. And then Parks and Recreation, let me see if I can pull this up, actually had developed a master plan of the site, um, which funding wasn't available, but this is sort of their overarching plan. It'll be phased in. So here you can see the police facility. This is the entry area, which is um, north of the Walmart up there. Um, and then this is the area that Joe's looking at, and there's where the trail cuts through and then meanders up into the park area up here. So Free State High School's over in this area, general area. Um, is, that, is that help with orientation? I guess, Mary, you're pretty familiar with this neck of the woods. Yeah, I drive past it most every day. Yeah. So that hopefully that helps give you a visual of what's what's happening. I think that you know the wooded area remains the same. So eventually, it's not a, a real lengthy jog, but you can actually jog up through the park and then come back down and loop around that type of thing. You know, it was interesting because we had discussions. Uh, Denise, you may remember, talked about um, possibly located in the park um, up in this area. You know, we had a lot of different thoughts of, of over the time, but when this wasn't funded, then it was sort of like, okay, where do we start this? And how do we make sure at the beginning, the police were somewhat reluctant to include art because the building had been designed. But as we went through the selection process, they garnered more interest in not having the artwork directly on site per se, but certainly having more of a relationship with the artwork. And so I think that, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, th I think that helped sort of give you a sense of, you know, this mm -hmm. is probably the better location for everything. Well, yeah, and I think some of the officers talked about how they use that park and trail and, you know, after and when they're before starting duty, how they kind of like to use the area and that they see that as a, an interesting connection to the neighborhood. Do we know, Porter, what the, you know, is there a funding timeline for the, I mean, the, the plan that I saw, there's a pretty elaborate plan for, it's a small park, but there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> well, that, is that a, you know, three years, five years that we know? Um, oh. I know it's in the CIP, but it's still awaiting funding, and I think it is designed to be a phased um, project. Um, I don't know the actual details, but I, you know, I know that it's still, they have the master plan. They still intend to move forward when they can. So and that, this would be, yeah, that will that, be an active park over time. And where, and where that location is right now, I mean, that would be the primary entrance from that side, right? From the South to, to the park. Yeah. That's the trail that leads up into the park. Is there, is there a plan to put parking near there then? Um, I believe that there is. Like there's, um, there's a little bit of parking there now. No, I think that um, 
I was thinking that there, yeah, I'll hang on, let me share my screen again, sorry. Um, don't quote me on this, but if you look at the um, master plan, um, so this area aligns, this is um, Eisenhower Drive here, and I think that there is some thought of adding some parking area in here, and then there'd be like a bathroom facility in here as well. So I, I believe that, I don't know if it's specific, well, wait a minute, 20, what does it say? Parking lot, there you go. So that would be at the other end, though, from where the sculpture would be. Right, and you know, I think this is a little deceptive. This is not, um, I, Joe, what do you think? Maybe third of a mile from your piece up to this parking area? I can't, I've been out there a couple of times, I'm guessing, but it's not like it's super far away. It's not as long as it looks. That's why I think they would make the path wind a little bit. <laughs> There's a little bit of terrain going up and down there. You're, you're mostly going up, um, but it doesn't feel as long as it looks. But, you know, if you're walking a dog, if you're visiting the park, you know, with a young child, it's a pretty, it's, you know... It all depends. Are you running or are you walking with a child? <laughs> um, I'm just trying to, because I think it's important to understand. So here's Walmart. Um, so it's also important. So here's the site that we're looking at. Here's the new police headquarters. This is the site that Joe's identified for that piece coming off the trail. Um, what's important to understand is you can see the the residential development all around the park on this side. So these are the users of the park as, as well as folks over here. Um, so it's good just contextually to understand how much residential there is around the area. I mean, I don't know if it's reserved for the police station specifically, but there's parking right at that trailhead that's out in front of the... Yeah. The uh, facility. I, don't and know I, do, I do believe they have, you know, excess parking, parking, so people, if they wanted to, could actually park there. And I think there may be street parking too. I'm not positive, but no. <laughs> um, Jerry, I just, I just want to channel um, Kate Deneen for a minute. This is Joshua Falif. Um, uh, if there is a way to be able to provide some sort of access point or completion of that north side of the Lawrence Loop. Um, I'm not sure where that runs uh, up there on the north side, and I, but I think that Rock Chalk Park area is, is a place where it kind of ends the safe, wide sidewalk paths for the Lawrence Loop. And, and not that this has to be kind of on that trail for it, but if there's yet another easy, smooth, safe tra uh, access point that doesn't include, you know, road traffic. Um, you know, that's that's something that the I, I think the city ought to take into consideration, too. Um, it's just my two cents. Uh, I think it I think it would create uh, and Kate's two, two cents, too. I'll let her know. I I threw hers in there as well. You would. She would appreciate the uh, flat uh, uh, nod there, Josh. Yeah. No, but I, I agree. I mean, it, it obviously, uh, it'd be great if it was connected to that. I'm not sure of the geography 
and everything, but it, it would it would make it more available for sure. Okay, I'm coming at this from my kind of event um, facility with that hat on. And Joe, you mentioned that some of your pieces had been the site of weddings. And that's kind of why I was asking about parking. Because I, I was trying to envision how close it was to the to the police department. And if you if you wanted to have a wedding there, would you have to park at the police station to have your wedding? Safest wedding ever. <laughs> well, it could be two officers. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the space around it is, is kind of similar to the space around Bike Church. It was like a small, you know, that's what they want. You know, people get married on mountaintops, um, you know, uh, it's for a small, unusual wedding. It's it's not intended really as an event space other than like, oh, you might meet your friend there um, and you'll both stretch and then go for a run, for instance. Or, you know, you're walking with a kid and let's, that'll be our destination and then we'll turn around and go back. So just like small meetings is, is the main intent. But you could. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what better theme for a wedding than seeing through the world through other people's eyes? <laughs> it's the number one skill you need. I have a question. It's on a slightly different topic, and that is um, how much more public input will there be for this site? Um, because right now, Porter, you've mentioned that there hasn't been much input. And I'm just wondering about that. The other, I have a second question that's related. And that is, I have a friend who mentioned to me that she didn't particularly like the eyes, um, particularly in light of what's been happening this year politically and the bad press that the police have received and so on and so forth. And so how can we get the public more involved in providing feedback. Um, so the first response I have is we did have these Two public meetings. Um, unfortunately, okay. they weren't well attended. We have reached out to the community there and just haven't gotten response. Um, so I don't know how to garner more, but I also know that Joe is under contract, and so we do have a timeline that we're trying to follow right. um, and be respectful to him. And so, you know, it's 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 a challenging thing. It'd be great to take a lot of time and, and garner more feedback, but we've you know we've made this as open as possible. And granted, the pandemic didn't help things, um, so I don't know how to respond to that. And I would dare say that. Um, I've also heard people really like the idea because it's not limited to just police or something. It's, you know, it's, it's truly the, I mean, Joe, let, go ahead and explain it more, but it's not meant yeah. to be looking through police eyes. It's literally oh, no, not at all. seeing the world and through other eyes. It's, it's what's at the heart of community policing and de-escalation is to see where a person is. They are not, you know, this person what have they gone through to lead them to this point to this day? How do you enter into their mind and 
de-escalate and walk away from what what could otherwise turn into a bad confrontation. And that seems to be, you know, I follow the national conversation quite a bit on police reform. Um, And so most of it is really seeing the public through their own eyes and and figuring out where they are is is to see the world through other people's eyes. But I also think, um, and I, I think it has to work both ways, you know, one of the examples I used, um, one of the first conversations uh, in my New Jersey, New York area was Bruce Springsteen's 41 Shots song. And he was a lot of police anger. He was he angered a lot of police with it, but it goes back and forth. The refrain is all about, you know, you are facing violent confrontation. It was from the police's point of view. And then the verses were from the victim's point of view. And I think the the best wisdom coming out of current conversations is understanding what the other person, where they're coming from. So I I think it works from both sides. I wasn't as articulate there as I was in the interview for the paper. (laughs) I also think that it certainly could reflect the community, community Mm -hmm. eyes and take it from that standpoint as well. Yeah, I mean, that is where it is. I like the idea of reflecting people's emotions and their response. This could simply be a connection with community um, as a whole. And I think that's what it is. So the 10 sets of eyes that I picked were young, old, um, like brave, and then accepting, um, but but weaker, weakened by age, for instance, but strengthened by wisdom. Um, there was one from a project of photographing um, uh, children, detained children at the border that is just a combination of innocence and, and fear and just being overwhelmed. There's the, a full range that I wanted to capture. I think there's as many men as women. Um, and I think in all cases, I, I would welcome additional Sub- submissions of of eyes but a lot of these were actually i was looking for a particular emotion and i found it by looking on social media websites of lawrence kansas so that they were from the area and the artistic treatment is not going to make them recognizable so it's not like oh that's that person but i'm hoping that the emotion will come through and I, I'll be ready to admit that of the two samples I did, I think one is a lot more successful than the other. <laughs> I haven't captured the older one. I, and I think I got the colors wrong. But, you know, that's what I do is I go back and work on it till I get it right. Yeah, I think that's important. I know that the paper published one image, but I do think um, it's important. kind of... A couple of things about public art that I've learned over the years is, one, it's not a gallery. It's not in a contained space. It's in an open space. It's available to people 24-7. Not that we want to encourage people to be there after maybe midnight or so, but, you know, who knows, might rendezvous there at any given time. The the lighting will help that. Um, It becomes something of a marker in the neighborhood, Um, and it will certainly be on a timer, so it won't necessarily be on all hours of the night and won't be bothering people. But, um, and I think what's key too is, as Joe pointed out, I'm going to be careful that people understand, he only has two samples of what he's doing to explain what he's doing here. Actually, ultimately, each of these panels would be unique. 
and represent what he's talking about, which is a range of eyes. You can see here it's a range of emotional sort of states, a range of ages, ethnicities, races. So he's really able to incorporate a lot of that information, which I dare say is very representative of where we are today, in large part because of what happened with George Floyd and other things going on currently, but then taken into a very conceptual and, and what I dare say would be a poetic sort of context. So it's not meant to be a literal interpretation per se, but it's certainly the basis of what Joe is putting together for this artwork. Um, and I really appreciate, you know, that's when I know I'm working with a professional artist when they're critiquing their own work and saying, you know, one of these is stronger than the other. So I trust that Joe's going to go back and really investigate these, take these eyes that he's getting. Um, and I think that's important. If people think there's somebody in this community that, whose eyes should be represented, I don't want them to expect it to be recognizable in the artwork per se. But I do think that, it, you know, like I said, somebody submitted their eyes and I was really... I've been involved in emails that he's been getting. It's really sweet that somebody offered that. And I'm like, wow, that's really fantastic. This is somebody who works in the police department, has a native heritage, um, you know, and, and kind of shows that we may not be seeing the same things um, because we are affected by our culture and our upbringing. But ultimately, we're all humans together, too. So I'll get off my soapbox there. But I just want to make sure people really understand that. Obviously, I've been more involved in the... Um, the process of developing the concept and things. But I think it's important that people look at this and understand that it's not artwork for your living room, it's artwork for a public space. And what I always see with these things is that things grow around them. And as Joe pointed out, is it in this presentation, Joe? You know, tell this, so I, I just really appreciate this piece, you know, people might have a very strong sort of initial opinion of something like this. But Joe, tell them a little bit about what's happened here. Yeah, so um, this went into a neighborhood, a historic neighborhood, and we built this with eight high school kids who represented the full demographic sweep. Poor to Ivy League bound, um, four young men, four young women. Um, and so we designed it together and we made it. It's called Bike Church and it was initially inspired by the Ghost Bike Project where people put a white bicycle where someone has been killed on a bicycle. Um, and what inspired me about that is you don't need a decoder ring to figure that out. I immediately got it. Um, but I want it to be a little more exuberant. So it has internal lighting that projects out. It has these little stained glass windows. But it, it also has a star. It has two stars of David. It has um, a Yaki. So one of our kids was Yaki. And so he has um, the deer dancer um, and a Spaniard uh, soldier looking at each other, the two formative elements in his culture. Um, it has the proportions of a mosque, but it has the rose window and the stained glass of a Christian church. And it represented all that the kids were doing. And it has been so well received in Tucson that public private, so private people raised money and then the city built a park around it, which we don't have great photos, but if you forward, they paved, people, people bought paving stones because yeah, they liked right. the project so much. Knowing the story, I mean, if you look at it here, it's installed on a sand <laughs> Um, it was surface, a which was what dirt lot. Well, yeah. that's what it was. But yes, over time, then and they paved it. They came in and, and paved it, and obviously, and there's a in the lower right. Um, people have riveted on uh, metal pieces to commemorate family members 
who have died there. And of course, we don't like take that off. We, we love it that the public has taken it over in a way. Like all of this stuff here was added by people and people keep adding to it. So we think that's pretty good. But then, you know, it's not just a somber thing either. It's um, like I said, people have gotten married there. Cycling groups meet there. And obviously this isn't a memorial, so it's, it's a, you know, standing artwork. The other thing I want to share is just the practical. Um, Joe's talked a lot about how he would construct this. Obviously, vandalism is always a consideration for these types of things. So the structure is stainless steel and intentionally set in a way that it's, it's quite a distance. Somebody could, if they really wanted to, climb up here um, and potentially with a baseball bat or something do damage. But the reality is in the public realm, if somebody really wants to do damage, there's always a way. But I think Joe's created this in a way that it's distant enough that it minimizes that threat and that risk. So I just want to bring that out, too, that, you know, there's, there's a strong consideration in both long-term maintenance and the minimal need of maintenance, but then also the protection of vandalism. I have a question. How far from the police um, center is this going to be? You know, just out of curiosity. Unfortunately, Google hasn't updated their map, mm -hmm. but the police facility is here. There's parking okay. here. There's a police, there's another structure here. And then Joe's piece is here. So it's, okay. you know, if you walk out of the police facility, it's, it's actually, you can cut over. There's a berm here. You can walk over the grass and you're there in, I don't know, 30 steps or so. And presumably there would be enough traffic that if there was some sort of vandalism happening, that it would be noticed. Um, I'm just thinking how, you know, would police officers be able to keep an eye on it? Um, I, I wouldn't want to commit them to watching. No, of course not. <laughs> But I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, in my logical brain, you know, the last place I think I'd start thinking about doing any sort of criminal activity is close to a police facility. Right. I would think I, so. Yeah. But lots of things have happened this past year. No, you're right. You're right. And again, in the public realm, anything can happen. I've seen things happen, but I've also seen things not happen. And I think that's really important right. is that, you know, you take these things into consideration. You do everything you possibly can. But there is a point where you have to have some faith. And, and Joe has spoken to the fact that if somebody were to come with a Sharpie and draw on it or paint on it or all those types of sort of graffiti things, that would be fairly easy to remove. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Joe, can you, can you talk about the structure, the dome sort of? Yeah, so partly that's just to give a sense of, I think it's nice to make a space that people can get inside and give you a little bit of enclosure. Um, it's not, it's a little hard to see, but when the sun is shining through, there's, there's little glass, there's little glass spheres where these arcs intersect. Also, I thought that the lower part was a little, was very orderly and that the upper part, even though these are all arcs that form a hemisphere, um, they're a little bit randomized, and I think that's kind of interesting. If it's too orderly, it's just architecture. Um, 
And in a loose way, um, it, this is a creature with legs, eyes, a head, and a brain. So the light is like the brain. Um, and I'm not, that's not intended to be the interpretation, but we do interpret things with vertical sticks and spheres at the top as, as figurative. And so I think, I think it sort of represents, um, like a multi, like a brain, a, a being that's, that can look out through multiple perspectives in a way. And that's like a very subdued level of it. The arcs overhead, you know, arcs imagine encompassing um, with intersection. They have some sort of loose community meanings. And it's just the right balance, I think, between order and disorder. I was going to go to the, um, I, you know, for me too, there's an astronomical component. Um, again, not specific or direct, but um, so I'm trying to go to the lighting. Sorry, bear with me. There's a lot of images here. There you go. Uh, I have a quick question, Daniel B. Smith. So you had said that some of the eyes were individuals locally. Are all the eyes going to be individuals who are local? Are the eyes in the example? Um, sourced from individuals locally? The Well, let me work back from the way that they'll appear in the final piece. I don't think you'll be able to recognize a specific individual. I'm looking for a, a range of emotions. And so um, I was able to get many of those from, um, from uh, City of Lawrence and Lawrence Arts, just of things that have been posted publicly you know, on various social media pages. Um, so I specifically wanted to, and I could actually go through and tell you which ones. If, if, a few are actors who are well known for being able to portray a lot of emotion through the eyes and the eyebrows and the tilt and just, there's like a lot of acting that can go through the eyes. There's the child, um, uh, let's see. Number one is an, is an actor. Two is... Um, someone from Lawrence. Um, three is also from Lawrence. Four is not from Lawrence, is one of the children in a photo documentary project um, about uh, immigrants detained at the border, children detained at the border. Um, I forget. Uh, <laughs> I forget number five, but I was looking for someone who's young, strong, a little bit of wisdom, but you still don't know exactly know what they're thinking. Um, six is a, a Lawrence city of Lawrence resident. Um, and I, the raised arced eyebrows to me express openness, tiny bit of wariness in the eyes, but, um, someone a little bit open the, this image, this is an actor, um, these two are actors, um, where the cursor are. And then, um, the last two are actually um, the the second to last is a stock image, and then the last one is a Native American boy uh, in Lawrence. And I welcome any additional ones. So the the officer, the Native officer who sent his face, you know, I'll probably. Um, 
uh, I want to balance men and women. I think I've got a little bit more women, so I'll probably have to replace a man. Not that you're going to really know when you see the eyes. Um, I kind of think the one below your cursor might be the one to go because I feel a lot of that is expressed in the one that's two to the left of it. Yeah, well, on the other hand, you know, there's a certain fierceness in that one that, you know, is that anger or has that person just had a really bad day and is dealing with tremendous stress? Um, I'll have, that's, it's my job to take all of this input and, f and try to be responsive to what people tell me. So any input is appreciated. This is Marla. I do like um, the idea of authenticity. So like the ones that are actors are maybe less mm -hmm. emotional than the other ones. You know, I kind of think of Orange is the New Black, that opening to that show <laughs> where those yeah. eyes are so expressive mm -hmm. because they are authentic. Um, and so you get that range of experience, but they're not, there's not a contrivance or anything to it. Right. So I no, I like the idea. And you know, I started with some actors, but I, the ones I'm really drawn to are the ones where the, it's the lived experience that, yes. that, that could, and there's no substitute for that. I agree. I also had a question about, because I really appreciated the presentation. When I just looked through the documents, I didn't necessarily see the connection to the location with law enforcement. But then listening to you talk, I did have a different interpretation of it. So I didn't know if there would be an opportunity by the site to have either a QR code to some explanation or like a little plaque or something to give some indication of some of the themes that are in the work. Oh, I think there should. So we've done, we typically do a plaque. Um, and then that, I think that's a question for Porter. Um, we've produced QR codes on plaques from time to time, but I think that's how, however the city wants to do it. If not, we just, uh, we just made a really extensive plaque for a project we did in West Palm Beach where there's a secret code and it tells you not what the code is, not what it is, but how to walk among it and count and decode it. And at the end, they come up with an interesting message. And I think people will read that. You know, we did a piece in Tucson with uh, a griffin and that's related to historic architecture. And there's a whole plaque explaining that. Um, I'm not one of those people who think, oh, it's just whatever interpretation you have of the art. I think it has to work on that level, but it also has to have a, if you're going to live near it and go by it every time, you need to know the full story, I think. I agree. I'm Denise. I think it's a great idea, Marlo, to have some sort of educational material in whatever way that it's communicated. I think it would be important for the community. I, I, this is Gina. And we'll make, you know, we'll absolutely we'll make that happen. Um, the QR code would be so easy and then having something on the website um, and, you know, generating a PDF. I also realize that I want to put something in the police department's hands so if people come in and ask questions, they can also serve as sort of a concierge for this and explain it. Um, I want their ownership of this and as much as we can garner that. Uh, I, think, I think that'll happen. Sorry, Dina, I, I interrupted you. That's okay. That's okay. This is Dina Amont. And um, Joseph, thank you for that really great explanation. Um, I'm new to the Cultural Arts Commission since um, 
since your project was approved. So that, as Marlo said, that added your presentation tonight added a lot to my understanding. And I'm going to just reiterate um, that I think it would be really important to have a lot of educational material and labels or QR code or however uh, the city decides to do it to have that background um, for um, for visitors who come to see it because that was really um, uh, important for me to understand. So, and I think it also addresses um, what I heard as some of Denise's concerns of maybe how some people might interpret it um, differently than how you had intended it. So. Um, so I, I'm just going to reiterate, I think, the, the importance of, um, of having some labels or um, information about it. And thank you for that great explanation, Joseph. Mm. I mean, I agree. I, there is sometimes debate over whether art should stand on its own or whether an explanation improves it. And, well, I think it's an e it doesn't have to be a debate because it has to be pretty and attractive and interesting and grab your attention without explanation, but then the explanation has to enrich it in the same way that if you take a music appreciation course, that song that you've been tapping your feet to, now you know why it works musically. Or, you know, you go, like uh, two summers ago, we went to um, Florence and to really understand the stories of the creation of so many of these fantastic works just deepened the appreciation. Not that you're not in awe anyway. Uh, I think the label, this is Dina Amont again. Yeah, um, this is Dina Amont again. Um, th I think the, the information just um, adds to the intention. Um, so I think that's really important. Along those lines, agreeing with Dina, just the idea of perhaps that shadow image that would be there, if that could be connected to that intention, because it does feel like it's empathy, it's some healing going on between law enforcement and community. So the animals, I think they're awesome, but it doesn't necessarily feel like that's within yeah. the theme. And could it be more healing? I don't know if that's what that would be, like hands or eyes. I don't know, something that would go along with that empathy theme that's so present in the eyes. Yeah, I'd like a lot more input on, on that, the patterns that project out, yeah. It was one person who suggested we do something with to memorialize a deer who had been injured and killed because of land enroachment. And that's just not the theme of this piece, but I still understand. And it's, you know, uh, but I am doing another piece um, for another group where one of the missions of a zoological society is to increase empathy for the natural world and for us to understand we are really part of the natural world. And so the faces of animals and putting your face in it and the way you sit, that's a big part of that piece. And I, I see it really works. It goes back to the 18th century painting, series of paintings, The Peaceable Kingdom, where you have these animals posed in unusual they're all facing out. Um, it, it's like you caught them being human at a table or something. They're all looking out at the painter, which is a weird way of seeing the colonization of this continent with all of these animals. Um, anyway, that's for a zoo. So I, I do think animal faces have some value. I just don't know that this is the right, the right thing for it. But to memorialize the space and things that happened, 
there might be a way to work it in as a secret. It's not the main theme, but you stand in a certain place and you're like, and look, those are the antlers and those are the eyes. People love secrets and to pass them on to each other. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, this is this is Joshua. I'd, I'm really interested and compelled. Um, I don't know exactly how I feel about the animals, um, you know, at the knife thing. However, I, I would I would encourage um, further exploration in that direction. Um, in that, uh, uh, as you said, we we do share this earth and this space with the animals. When the city park curfew is enforced, <clears throat> the animals are still going to be there. Yeah. Um, and it also uh, takes us out of this human centric space where we are what is important our emotions are important our needs are important and i'm going to put a police station where all of these other animals who live in that space are going to be displaced and we're going to build a park there so children can play and animals and their families can go find someplace else and so i think there's there's an empathetic uh, aspect or component that can be employed there um, that, again, doesn't make it human-centric, so we're thinking about our only ourselves. And, and I do think it can go with a the theme, particularly in, in, in respect to some of your conversations with the um, Native uh, police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if, if I can't have empathy for another human being, then animals are damned. Uh, yeah. they're, they're in some trouble. And we can't have that. We can't. I, I know that uh, in Lawrence, at least, there is a healthy respect. There are people walking their dogs. There are people with uh, urban farms, uh, urban agriculture, uh, and and having. I got chickens that cross the road. I got to slow down, and I'm in the middle of town, and they just <laughs> and they're just sometimes I got to stop like it's a cat or or something. But no, it's just. A, chickens wander in the neighborhood um this is that space too and i think um i will i will just uh, again at least encourage some uh thoughtful consideration of some of those some of those details and 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 approaches and what could also be included where else might we need to show some empathy and some understanding so thank you thank you All right. Well, is there any other comments or questions before we do do our job here? Hearing none. I can't make all the motions tonight, so some I would entertain a motion for us to uh, recommend approving uh, this work for the facility. I move on Denise Stone. We get a second. Josh, this is Joshua. I'll second. All in favor. You're on mute, Porter. 
Sorry. Go ahead and do a roll call. Let's do this formally. It's an important vote. Okay. I'm going to do you all in the order that you appear on my screen. Marlo. Ruth. Daniel. Aye. James. Aye. Denise. Aye. Mary. Aye. Dina. Aye. Jordan. Aye. And Joshua. Yay. Jerry. Thank you. All right. Um, okay. I'd like to pause for one second to uh, make a sincere apology to Jordan for skipping over approving the minutes uh, of last week's meeting. And I don't just mean minutes. I'm talking about, again, an incredible set of minutes, which, by the way, thanks to Joshua's words and Jordan's excellent note keeping contains a James Joyce quote, which I don't think I've ever seen in any cultural arts commission meetings minutes before. I would just like to add to that and say that if Mr. Joyce was correct in saying that writing in English is the most ingenious torture ever devised, I would like to suggest that Jordan has overcome that as is evidenced by her note-taking. So thank you, Jordan. Uh, does anyone have any uh, changes or um, additions to the minutes from? Jerry, last? I have a question. I could not find the minutes and I kept clicking on the link that would take me there. I found two documents two separate documents and one of them did not include Jordan's minutes. So I don't know what happened. I wanted to look through them. Now I really want to look through them after <laughs> there's, you know, so I can review James Joyce's quote. Uh, they, they are impressive. Um, I was able to, I don't know, you know, I'm not an internet guru or whatever. I was able to just click on them and they came up sort of as like an HTML document for me. So Mine yeah, too. I it was in the agenda. So I clicked on that minutes inside the agenda. Yeah, I, Denise, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I'm clicking on them here and I've done it before and they're popping right up as Jerry said in an HTML format. I wonder if maybe your computer is not, are you on a Mac? Yes, I am on a Mac. I wonder if that might, I don't know. I, I'm like Jerry, yeah. I can't say I know, I can't tell you anything factual about this, but um, okay. apologies for that. It's not your fault, Porter. I may be lacking some technical skills <laughs> this evening. Uh, for for tonight's minutes, can we add that Max usually screw these things up? And that that's kind of the nature of of the the beast. Since this is being broadcast publicly, I have no comment. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. My Mac is working fine, but yeah, I would disagree with that. <laughs> anyway, 
So too, so too with most artists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did have a quick question about the minutes. So essentially when I write the minutes every month, um, I rewatch the YouTube recording and basically make a transcript. So my question um, is basically, are the minutes at a good length or um, should I shave those down a little bit more? Like, are they too long to, um, to be efficient or are we still at a good uh, page count? Honestly, Jordan, they, they are the best recap of our meetings that in, in my nearly nine years on this commission. They are, you can read them and you can really get an idea of what happened in the meeting. I, I, I read your minutes and it, it, uh, it sends me back to the meeting from last month. I think they're, I think they're great. I wouldn't change the way you're doing them. Okay. Now, if in fact you are time crunched and so forth and find it too difficult to do that, I think you could get, you know, uh, we, we, we have certainly had shorter versions of, of meeting minutes, but I, these, I really appreciate the effort. I can tell you are putting some time into it and they are fabulous. Okay. Then I'll, I'll shoot for four to five pages then. Cool. Thank you. And, and I feel bad because tonight is going to be really long, but. Anyway. Oh, I did find them. I just found them. So oh, good. sorry. I wasted a few minutes time no. raising that issue. Also not your fault. All right. So hearing uh, no changes, uh, I would, uh, I would move. We accept the minutes. Uh, can I get a second? I second. All right. Denise, I think, got in there a little bit ahead of Dina, but we, we have a firm second. And all in favor? Aye. All right. Let the record show that everybody was in favor, so unanimous. And Mr. Chair, I just, I know that Joe is working on several other projects. I don't want him to feel like he um, needs to stay with us, so. Um, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate everything that you've done. Um, appreciate you joining us tonight, and I'm glad we're moving forward, and I'll be in touch. Thank you. Thanks for welcoming me into your meeting and your homes. I feel like I've known you now. <laughs> yeah. Nice job, really. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, that's my dog. All right, well, we get to hear my dog for a second. Everybody has an opinion, including the dogs. Maybe someone else who lives here will comfort him. Oh, there we go. Uh, so the next order of business is reviewing the Penn Street Lofts mural proposal. Um, and we have uh, Stephen Johnson here tonight to describe to us the, the plan for that. So welcome, uh, Stephen, and I will turn it over to you. Someone will have to coordinate what, who's going to show what, but welcome. Um, hi, everybody. It's nice to see many familiar faces. And um, uh, anyway, I, this will not be hopefully that long. It's a, it's a kind of a straightforward project. Um, Anyway, I'm coming to you um, with uh, the sort of a late understanding that this needed to be passed under your approval. So um, 
pardon if I'm missing any documents and things, particularly letters of support, which I just been hurriedly trying to get to, but um, I may not have enough just to give you a heads up. Um, this is a private uh, property being built on Penn Street and um, in sort of discussions with the owner, he has these two walls and I thought, well, hey, how about uh, some artwork? You know, it's just a bunch of brick and there's this these rectangles and he like loved the idea of supporting art. So um, it came down to what to put on there. Of course, uh, um, we can do nothing or something. And the thing that made the most sense to me was um, celebrating community and what's more of a community than the East Lawrence is the gardens, you know, it's, it's about growth and seeds and everybody's sharing and um, um, the idea of this particular street and area that my gosh, it goes back so far in time and the different seeds of humans that have been planted there and grown and changed and the, the way these buildings have transformed over the years. Anyway, so um, flowers seem to be a really good sort of a design motif that would be appealing aesthetically to everybody. Um, so, of course, the sunflower made good sense and then a rose too. The rose has numerous symbolic uh, meanings to everybody, but uh, by and large, just how to solve the spatial um, format of quite a vertical format. Um, <clears throat> so here is the street. The concept is, um, there it is. And then moving along, there's the, the site of the location. So there's the south side and a north side where the yellow rectangles are. So that's how the buildings look right now. Um, this is the elevations. So the north side is the longer, thinner one, and the south side is the shorter one. And so here are my uh, design proposals. And uh, frankly, I finished them up uh, by Thursday. So there you go, um, just a little bit of um, stuff, but try to how to activate these walls, make something interesting um, and same time, not. I don't want to call too much attention to them. They'll be obviously very visible, but uh, the idea of using paint over the brick and using the brick to shine through, give it a bit of that um, historic look, like the polar graphics on the polar lofts across the street, and uh, many of the old buildings that you may see probably more in Kansas City um, than here in Lawrence. But um, so using the brick and transparency and the paint uh, as part of the process. And I'll be working with two young, talented uh, artists that are in the neighborhood as well, and they'll be doing the actual work uh, of, of painting these. And as you can see, there is still um, active um, construction zone. So the timing is important to be able to get the lifts in there and, and have it done before you know, plantings and all that kind of business. So that's why we kind of rushed to get this to your meeting today. And there's the two sites. You can see how it would look. And then the, the rest of it is showing uh, my previous work and their work so you can get an idea of our uh, qualifications. The Lenexa Library murals and uh, Clinton Lake there, uh, Brooklyn Subway 
murals in um, New York City. Airport panels, the lead center here in Lawrence, uh, mural in Los Angeles and their metro station. Those are all public artworks. And these are um, by Strong Hand City signs. So you might, might see the Wonder Fair. They just did the big pencil in front of Wonder Fair that you may have noticed on mass that disappeared. Um, work of theirs in Kansas City. So they're just very good sign painters use of paint. There's the new jungle house and cotton's hardware. And then uh, just, there's me and there, and the next one would be Austin and Travis. There they are. So uh, a, couple, a couple of things. Um, even I, I had a couple of questions. Uh, the first is the, the budget for this, is that being covered by the owner of the building? Yes, this is, um, so just to be clear, this is no way, shape or form a public art commission. This is a private commission and it is uh, completely funded by the owner who, by the way, doesn't have to, to do any art. He could choose to not do anything. And so it's a nice opportunity, of course, to have a job, <laughs> freelance job. Um, and uh, yeah, so 100% is his, his fee. But I think, I think it's important for you to see the, the numbers and how that breaks down. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I appreciate you putting them up there. And we do have, the second thing is, you know, we do have a, a somewhat formalized process, which you've covered some of those things just in your presentation here. So I don't think it will take much for you to complete that along with the, uh, as you probably saw earlier, the those those community letters are uh, important for for our uh, purposes. Um, I have one more question, and then I'll let folks chime in and everything. And my the the other question is: Will there be color on these, or that will they be? No, no. I really want to keep it just very neutral, um, almost as white as we can. And in point of fact, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't want these to look like stencils or, or cutouts. It's more more natural and um, again having the brick shine through. So they just become more organic part of the brick, not not the you know stickers or something like that that you might imagine. So that they have a that timelessness. Yeah, great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, okay, anyone else? Hey there, Daniel B. Smith. I'm a little bit curious. It seems like. Um, you've designed them to be kind of the same height, even though it looks like the different panels of the building are different heights. I'm sure that's something you might have gone back and forth on, but I'm curious to hear why you decided to, to end up with this height instead of having the, the rows extend upwards more. Yeah, great, great question. Um, I just think it balances uh, the building nicely because one side of the building is considerably higher than the other. And um, I just further and shui, if you want to, it's just sort of this nice balance of having the two. Um, also, it just gets a little bit too much rose. You know, I don't think we need to have that much flower going that high just because there's the space allowed for, allotted for it, if you know what I mean. Um, it certainly could go higher. Um, I'll just add more leaves and uh, bring it up. Um, but 
at a certain point, it gets too too much. I don't think we want too much in, in the you know just enough. Does that help, Daniel? Yeah, it does. Um, and, and I'll say, I mean, I'm definitely going to. Uh, you know, this is su subjective. I, I feel like for me personally, you know, you're never really going to see the two opposite sides of the building at the same time. So I feel like I probably would have gone the other way, but I'm, I'm not going to actually vote against it because of this. <laughs> well, it might grow on you. We could make it, we could stretch it a little higher, if you want. <laughs> you know, flower, you know, they're going to keep growing. Denise, did you have your hand up? Yes, I did. I, I love these you know, images of the flowers, they're just really nice. And I like the size of the rose, that's a personal thing, but I like just the, the way these flowers are captured with some of the details. They're just so graceful, you know, natural. My two cents. Thank you, Denise. Mary? I just want to say how much I like them. I, I'm not always a big fan of murals, and I really, really like these. So, thanks, Mary. That's it, Joshua. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say I, I really enjoy them too. I, I particularly like, you know, again the sunflowers and and how they kind of film fill that framed space. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about the selection of, of a rose on, on the other side when perhaps there might be more uh, uh, native flowers uh, to Kansas uh, that might uh, maybe fill that out, like why a rose as opposed to any one of a number of versions of blazing stars or, or cone flowers or, or, any, or something else that's kind of more localized in, in its in its representation, I suppose. Yeah, good question. Um, well, right out front of my studio and then around the area, there are these knockout roses, and um, they seem to be kind of part of this neighborhood, and I think they're planning on planting more. And then there's some sunflowers that are in front of the bonbon, and, you know, in that area. And it just seemed to be... You know, we have the sunflower and then something a little bit different. There, you know, one could make all kinds of interesting arguments about the history of the area and the rose and the, you know, sort of the um, more interesting factor of, uh, oh, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, there, there's a lot of things I think that it just brings up a lot for everybody and we can identify with both of these flowers. People coming to the community that don't know, Lawrence or the area. Um, it's on the north side and then the sunflowers are on the south side. So kind of, the, you know, evening rose and then you have the sunflower. There's a, there's a lot of narratives that we, you know, play around with if you wish. But I, I hear what you're saying and I just made a decision that that might be a good idea. You know, I think we could, we could substitute it, but um, it, it seemed uh, a nice balance with the two yeah no i i agree and i you know it i, I guess in terms of like the story and, and how far we go back if we if we do it'll it'll end up being eventually grass and weeds you know <laughs> if we go far enough back um so no i i i don't know east lawrence as well as others and and if there's a 
an affinity with East Lawrence uh, for, you know, something like that. And, and that's become a part of the neighborhood. And I certainly don't have any objection. But the sunflower, obviously, is, is, I mean, that's the state flower. Um, so there are other more other interesting ones like the coneflower and, and black-eyed Susans that that could could stand in perhaps if if that was the route you know the artist wanted to go you know just no for sure and I I think part of the struggle I had was that just from a design perspective is is how do you make something interesting in a, in a growing vertical way and. I'm very much about twisting form to create something elegant and dynamic and natural. And so both flowers offer that opportunity. And then the juxtaposition of the two sunflowers, which are circular and large, then the rose is a smaller, so head on it. So it's not the full, if there's, you know, back and forth, yin and yang kind of thing. We don't want to um, mimic both too much on, on both sides, if, if you catch my drift there, but. This is Dina Ahmad. Um, I'll just add that I really love the aesthetic. It's really beautiful. It's very elegant. Um, I love the transparency of it. And I know that's really, you know, a, a little bit maybe outside of our role here to approve. Um, um, but I, I just had to add that too, that I really love the aesthetic of it. And I think it's really lovely. I think it blends in really beautifully with the bricks also. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so, so Stephen, I, I appreciate you, that you all have a um, have a tight schedule, and you're trying to get in there while uh, you know before landscaping and so on and so forth goes in there. Um, we did mention, you know, earlier that we that we do have a process, and 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 I think that I. I I would recommend to the group, and I, of course, would be willing to listen to any points to the contrary, but that we hold off actually uh, proving it until we get some of uh, some of that documentation back. Specifically, that one of the things that we really like are, which you know, I don't think there's going to be any issue or whatever, but we really like to see those neighborhood uh, endorsements um, and that street right there. There's obviously just even from the pictures, we can see there's a lot going on there. So <clears throat> some of your neighbors would be uh, happy to help you out with that, that type of, of thing. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you read through the process, there is a, uh, there is a contract thing. I don't know how, if that applies Porter so much, uh, be interested in your opinion because it is in fact the building owner who's funding the, the work, although, um, we have had cases in the past where buildings change ownership and then the community um, has, uh, you know, embraced the artwork as, <laughs> as theirs, um, as, as often ha happens with public art and so forth. And then um, uh, anyway, part of the purpose of those contracts and in in our process is to, is to sort of ahead of time decide those those sorts of things and there's copyright issues with the between the artist and the owner and so forth so i would at least recommend even that you 
look through that, if not do, do, you know, execute that with, uh, with the, the building owner. And that would certainly uh, help us at all. Also, it's not to say that we haven't approved those without that contract. It's a, it's a template and a model that can be helpful. Um, but at least I would recommend if you haven't looked at it, that you, that you would. Uh, um, uh, Jerry, actually I did. I got it notarized and sent it to Porter last week. Okay, great. Um, because it's a, a contract, I didn't feel like I share it publicly. Um, but I, you know, I can also speak to Steven's professionalism. He's been doing this a long time and I trust that he's knowledgeable about, um, his rights as an artist and those types of things. And, and Jerry, I think it's a really important point. And I know our, our artist for, um, Owen's flower shop really appreciate it. And I think it ended up teaching her something about contract. Um, uh, but yes, I will vouch for Steven and tell you that, you know, he's got a, a contract that, um, Protect, Perfect. Protects him and the property owner. Perfect. Well, I also, uh, their verbal um, approvals from the businesses on that street in the vicinity, as you can see there in the, in the proposal. And then I, I just sent them um, hastily to quarter an email with some local residents. And I also, um, Barry Elna has the proposal and he's been um, sending it out. Unfortunately, um, they had a meeting on Monday, which I didn't was not aware of. It would have been perfect timing to uh, show up, on, and uh, so I'm just kicking myself about that. That uh, the gist of it, people are, are interested in it, but the timing, you know, is just a little too tight in order for them to to get back and you know make a, a group decision. Um, and it, I'm curious, though. I mean, how many residents do? Does one get approval from? Is there a number? Is there a, one on every street? I mean, where do you start and stop? Yeah. With this? yeah, I mean, so for example, the neighborhood association. If, if you had, if you had uh, a, a letter from them uh, and a business or two, I mean, you, we, I, I think we would be happy with that. Yeah, and I, and I'll back that up, Jerry. I I think. I think Alna and the East Lawrence neighborhood is, is a unique space with a really organized neighborhood association with a lot of input, a lot of engagement. And I think, honestly, I, I think we might have our, our hands full trying to um, make particular a certain number of residents' feedback based on the neighborhood and their, acti their activity with their neighborhood association. Elna... I have no questions about uh, if if they give a thumbs up, we're good, really. And and like you said, maybe a business or two that is right there, like looking at the pieces every day, parking next to them. You know, just a, a quick letter from those. I don't I don't think it's too much. But Elna's, um, we're gonna hear about it if they don't have their input. Uh, if they don't, if they don't get to voice their opinion now, uh, they certainly will later. Uh, we, even if they love the piece. Yeah, and we have. I mean, we we have examples where folks have reached out to the neighborhood association, and and they they haven't uh, they haven't given their 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 uh, blessing, nor have they <laughs> have they uh, complained about it either. And so you know, we're not going to hold something up if there's no action on, on the part of, of the neighborhood association, I suspect with Elna, that won't be true. I, I bet you they'll, 
they'll uh, they're they're active and and really really dynamic and passionate about that type of stuff. So I think that that won't be an issue. Um, um, yeah, I, um, they're great folks, and I and I again I just uh, just can't believe that I missed it by a day um, in order to meet in person. But they do have it, and Barry sent it out to all their board members. So um, conceivably, you know. They could make a decision in the next however minutes time before your next meeting. Would you be open to if they had a letter of support that you could share with your membership here? And I got a couple more um, written documents from businesses to, um, or do you need to approve it on a month from now in your meeting? How does that work with your with your agenda? We. <laughs> Everyone's going to sigh here, but we do. There is a precedence for this type of stuff. Uh, if you have a deadline like this, particularly where there's construction involved and stuff, if you get that stuff together to us, we will try. We have done it in the past to have a, a special meeting. It won't last long, um, to so that we can help accommodate your schedule. I'm. We've done it for others, so I can't imagine that we wouldn't do it for for you all as well. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, and I'll, I'll do my best to. Uh, Mary, has there ever been a case where we've just done provisional approval? Yeah, where we approve something with the, with the expectation that that. Uh, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I think you know that there was one big one that we did provisionally. Um, so yeah, we we have. Um, I would entertain that. I don't know, Porter, if if you have thoughts on that. That could we provisionally do it, and then when the things come in, I don't know. I had a similar thought. You know, one in my mind is that this is not a building that's surrounded by a lot of other businesses. Um, I'm not sure anybody's in that Quonset hut on the north side. Kennedy Glass is, you know, Caddy Corner. Um, then obviously you have the. Um, uh, development there with um, Bon Bon and um, Lawrence Beer Company. And then to the south, there's some, I don't even know if that business is, that's another Quonset hut and it looks like it's being renovated. So I, I, you know, I think it's one of those situations where I would concur. Elna is probably the most significant um, opinion that we would want to hear from. And then, yeah, to your point, if the beer company and Bon Bon also said, yeah, thumbs up, that would be helpful. So my point being is that I don't think he's out chasing down a ton of support letters. If he got those three letters and you all agreed that that was satisfactory, I think that works in a provisional context. Um, and then I guess if for some reason somebody was opposed, we would then have to delay and wait till we meet again to discuss it. I, I'm okay with that. Um, if everyone else is, it might save us a special meeting. And I, I'm with you, Porter. This one's different, and uh, so I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, the one that you mentioned, Porter, where there's a vacant lot, it's the uh, it's a it's a car. It's I think it's called the uh, A1 Automotive. They they like the idea, so I could talk to them. I mean, they're exactly I think across the street from the Sunflower. And, and a couple of businesses around on that street. Um, such an interesting street. So many interesting people doing things. Uh, and then the Elna 
I can talk to Barry further and it's, you know, whatever they need, I'm happy to meet with them at El Mango. All right, so I'll, I'll verbalize the motion if somebody wants to, to write it down. So uh, the motion would be to recommend approving the murals for the north and the south side pending uh, letters of um, uh, what support. Do you call it? Yeah. support. Letters of support from Elna and um, right of business is on Penn Street. On Penn Street. Yeah. What's it? Sorry, Stephen. I'm having trouble understanding you. What is it called? Um. Oh. I just thought um, if I can get a couple of the businesses on Pennsylvania Street. Oh, to, oh I'm Penn. Gotcha. Um, so that would be a nice, you know, clear package for you. This is Daniel B. Smith. I would say specifically the beer company and the cider gallery are, are the relevant ones. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. And then also in the motion. Sorry, it's getting a long motion here, but we should also say that if there's uh, any letters or emails of, you know, that are not in support of it, that we would, we would, you know, hold up until the next meeting to discuss further on the next meeting, regularly scheduled meeting. Um, I just want to make sure we're crystal clear. <laughs> um, so what I'm pending letters support from Elna um, and then the beer company cider gallery and steven you mentioned the automotive group is that should that be in there yeah that would be there or more, more even closer it would be bon bon glasses across the street all right so yeah. the, the list i have i just want to make sure this is agreeable some pro elna uh beer company cider gallery and what's the name of the auto group i believe it's a1 a1 I don't know. I mean, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with us specifying what businesses have to. We haven't done that, I don't think. With but my my from my perspective, if it's a provisional uh, um, okay. situation, I need to know exactly okay. what we had to get to say. Okay, this is approved. So that's why I'm trying to be crisp on this one. Um, I appreciate so the A1 Auto Group and then Bond Bond. So it ends up being one, two, three, four, five entities which i believe no to be clear to be clear bonbon and cider gallery are, are the same essentially they're, they're owned by the same people oh okay so it's three entities that would be giving approval to this and steven that you feel like you can get those I'm not quite sure about the, the beer company that the two uh, owners of both of these establishments are in, not in a good situation right now. So I don't think we're going to get in on that, but that's beyond my knowledge base of, of that. I'm not, that's not my cup of tea, but, um, you know, well, there's, there's other issues about all this, the street, so, uh, you know, my feeling is, and I understand you need to have specific specificity, but you know, maybe three businesses on the street or maybe the railroad folks, I mean, goodness, they're going to be, you know, they're over there. I don't know who to contact on the railroad, but they have their Kwanzaa hut and their, the whole thing there. 
This is Dina Amant. Would it be more fair to say uh, a certain number of letters of support um, given a certain parameter, like a certain number from Pennsylvania Street and uh, whatever the other street is, 7th or 8th, or, you know, rather than specifying exact businesses, would that be more fair? I think it would be but Porter's point was that since we're doing this provisionally, we, we should be more specific. So I'm, I'm a little, I, I do understand that point, Porter. I, I'd like to pull the thread a little bit more on the Lawrence Beer Company thing. That was, do you think they would, are you saying that you think they might be against it or that you just couldn't get, it would be difficult to get a letter from them? Um, just, I think recent developments of what I've, and Daniel, it sounds like you might know something too, um, but, um, Again, this is, I'm just the artist designing a mural. This is other people's stuff, but you know, there's issues with parking and, and you people are having difficulties, um, I think, um, negotiating that. So this project and could end up being handicapped by other factors that are completely unrelated. If that makes sense. Yeah, I wouldn't hold this up, be a, a, a mural issue over parking um, for, for sure, but I, I do I understand your point. So it's you know it's not it's not my thing. Um, but um, yeah, so but I, I totally understand. I don't see any reason why we can't just name a number in that neighborhood and say that um, that Stephen should uh, find X number of businesses in the Pennsylvania Street neighborhood plus the East Lawrence Association. And I, I think that ought to be able to cover it. Honestly, this is, this is Joshua. Honestly, if I, get a, if, if I saw a letter from Elna that didn't scream in objection, I, that's enough for me. I, <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, that's, I don't even, that, that doesn't, like the other businesses, they're privately owned businesses and it's nice to have their input. But if they can't, they have other issues, they're dealing with whatever. Nobody asked us about their signage. Okay. And, and so that's fine. But Elna is a critical thing, particularly for art. And even if they can't fully support it, then I think that's fine. As long as they don't have any vehement objection to it, that's sufficient for me. That's the neighborhood. That's not a, a business that can come and go. These are people who live their lives in that neighborhood and will walk by that place every single day. So, so let's say this. Let's say Elna plus two businesses. And then we'll, to protect the other thing, we'll say it's provisionally approved with Elna and two businesses unless we get communications objecting to it from from somewhere else. And then we will revisit this in our next scheduled meeting. Is that specific enough, Porter? I, I think that work. Hey, you made a good point about the, uh, the Birko signage that you guys have to go through that with the dog or the, or the bonbon signage, all that that have to be approved by your committee. Signage is not considered art, and therefore, no, it wasn't reviewed by the Art Commission. That's that's through the sign code. Uh, is, that a, is there a commission for signage or, or not? Yes. 
and sometimes the sometimes those two things mix. Yeah. So somebody approved bonbons. Yeah. That right? Okay. So we have a motion before us to provisionally approve it with the conditions previously stated. So I don't have to say them again. Anyone second that? I will second. Daniel B. Smith. Daniel B. Smith seconded that motion. All in favor? We should do a call, right, on this one? Yeah. All right. Marlo. I agree. Denise. I agree. James. Aye. Daniel. Aye. Mary. Yes. Jordan. Aye. Dina. Aye. Joshua. Yay. Jerry. Well done. Thank you. Thank you all very much. I really appreciate your time and consideration of this project. We'll make it a great success. And um, by all means, and consider how many petals. If I need an extra leaf, forget rid of the leaf. You know, let me know. It's got to be a community pruning project, right? So, uh, and it'll grow on you. You know, once we see them, we'll be like, oh, how could they not be there? I Anyway, well, listen, it's a long night. Happy Bastille Day, you know, um, all of you. Merci. And um, uh, I will sign off and let you get to your next uh, agenda. But I appreciate your time very much. And uh, look forward to seeing you all again. Thank you, Stephen. Bye. Thanks, Porter. Okay. Next item on the agenda, the NEA's ARP grants to local ARCH agencies for subgranting. I, I read this today and I thought, well, I think we qualify under the terms that I read. Uh, I don't the date was, what was the due date? Uh, July, 22nd is it yes and there are three grant or there are three amounts that you can ask for let me um so i did some research and just to make sure everybody's up to speed so the nea announced this grant opportunity um there's two components to it and one is a re-granting opportunity through local arts large um what do they say local arts agencies. Um, and, you know, for a lot of reasons, I couldn't get to it right of way. Um, and, and you all know that Paul DeGeorge emailed it to the, the Art Commission as well. Um, the deadline is Thursday, July 22nd. Eligible arts agency must have a history of grant making that has taken place in the last 10 years, which of course we do have. Um, can apply through this program or through the rescue plans, um, grants to organizations for general operating support. Um, only eight, 80 agencies will be awarded this particular regranting grant. A strong application will choose an amount that can be justified by internal capacity and community impact. A diversity of applicants are encouraged to apply. Um, in this case, you know, it's the city, so we, you know, um, would have to, you know, grant to the city, obviously. Um, eligible grant asks are 150,000, 250,000, or even 500,000. 
Um, the cost, there's no cost share or matching, which is fantastic. Recipients of the subgranting by local arts agency can cover the following, salary for staff, fees, stipends for artists, contractors, facility costs, including rent, utilities, mortgage, marketing, promotion costs associated with health and safety supplies, and the funds can also be used to support existing new and furloughed jobs. Um, local arts agencies can request up to 50000 to support their own operation costs for the following, salary support, fees, stipends for contracts, facility costs, um, health and safety costs, um, marketing and promotion. But I think, you know, given that we are not an active independent arts agency, I'm not sure that really applies um, as an advisory board. Um, so that's the general gist of it. These, you know, a grant like this takes time to write. Um, and it also means that we would have to develop a special granting program that we were not prepared to develop. So, you know, on one hand, I think this is terrific. I wish we had a little more time. I've not actually seen the grant application, so I don't know the extent of what needs to be written to apply for the grant. Um, so, but I wanted to make sure that we, you know, explored this, talked about it. Mary, you may have some insights. I think you attended one of the um, webinar um, events for this or something, so you may have, may know some some other insight on this. I I did sit through a lengthy webinar, but it didn't address this particular. It it addressed a similar grant for individual organizations. Uh, did you say they're giving eighty eight zero? Um, that's what I read. Yeah, I think eighty million dollars. Um, I can't remember if that's the entire amount for both grant programs or just for this grant program. Oh wait, I've got it right in front of me. Hang on, silly me. Happily, I was smart enough to print it out. <clears throat> um. This was on June 23rd. Today, the National Endowment for the Arts announced two new grant program guidelines to distribute approximately $80 million in American Rescue Plan funds directly to nonprofit arts and cultural organizations and to local arts agencies to subgrant deeper into communities across the country. So it's $80,000 for both of these programs. And I think that's why they're saying, too, that it's um, up to, didn't they say up to 80? Yes. Only 80 agencies will be awarded. Yeah, that, that was my point. So I think we have to factor in the fact that there are only 80 in the entire country that oh. will be awarded. And, and I think the other factor is, I believe this is a, a, there's several stages to the application. And I believe that the application part that is due on the 21st or 22nd of next week is just the kind of an intention to apply and then the rest of the application is due a bit later. Is that correct? I know that's the way it is for individual organizations. Yeah, I'm not clear if it's the same here. Cause when I talked I to you, I was concerned that, you know, we had the initial, and it may be true, but like I said, I haven't been able to dig into the actual application. It doesn't articulate that in the general overview. So I, I read the overview and it doesn't say that, but it might be true. So I know they have a whole timeline for the, the 
grants to organizations where you submit one part next week and then I think the second part isn't due until September. So that might be worth chasing down if, if we decide we want to go ahead with it. But it sounds like odds are a little slim there. Marlo, do you know any more about it? I don't know, but I would volunteer my time to look into it. You know, if time is tight, I'm happy to spend some time tomorrow digging around and making phone calls. I think I would, I, know, I agree with Mary, 80 sounds very slim, but I would also feel better about myself just applying to see, you know, just to get it out there and to say we did our best effort because I think it would be amazing if we got it. And I think, you know, to Porter's point about this would create a new granting system that we don't have in place. But if we were so lucky to get it, could we, it seemed like there was an opportunity to use some staffing funds to make that possible. So with that, you know, with that option out there, um, I'm willing to volunteer some time to just dig into it and see if it's a huge, you know, investment of our time or a simple application that we could just get out there and roll the dice and just say that we did it and feel good about our best effort in place. It can't be as bad as SVOG. Nothing can. Nothing can. <laughs> um, Porter, in line with that, in the, I, I did not have the time or the opportunity to uh, look at the entire city budget that uh, came out. Is there any money in that budget for the Arts Commission that can be used for granting? Um, so where that stands is that the, um, the, the budget is still tied to TGT. Um, there is $1,260,000 budgeted in that TGT fund um, to cover all those different components from Explore Lawrence, um, the TGT grant program, Sister Cities, um, and the, the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission. So, and if you look, what I did was I went back and looked, and last year's TGT budget, let's be clear, budget, um, was a little bit less than that amount. So this is actually more than was budgeted last year. With the strategic plan, the approach that's going to be taken on this is to um, have some sort of value proposition that will align with the strategic plan. How that's going to play out, I don't know. Um, I have a meeting set up Monday with the finance department to glean more information on how this is different and how we are going to implement this. So that's as much as I can share with you at this point, and I will learn more Monday. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as um, far as... Jerry, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, the other thing, Mary and Marlon... Unfortunately, Steve isn't here, but, you know... If we were to get um, 150, 250, or $500,000 from this, and we have to certainly look at what's the, the, the proper amount to ask for, but, and, and I'm not expecting specific answers per se, but you know, if you could get 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 from this you know, ultimately remarkable grant opportunity, 
um, you know, do you have a number in mind that would really fulfill sort of their goal and also help you all move beyond pandemic? Not to say that you would be the only grant recipients, but I'm just, that was a place that I started thinking. Obviously, you all were impacted significantly. You were very articulate in reminding people the importance of arts and culture. So I thought at least getting a sense from each of you, what is a sort of ballpark number that would, you know, make this worth your while? Um, And maybe you don't know that off the cuff. Uh, I hate to throw out a number off the cuff. Uh, I, I know that on the other side, on the organizational side, they're offering grants of 50, 100, and 150,000. Um, those grant numbers are specific numbers. It's not like you apply for 100,000 and they might give you 77,000. It doesn't work that way. And I'm assuming that would be the same way with this grant. So it would be that definitive, one of those three definitive numbers that, that you stated. Um, the, the other thing is that these grants are specified to start January 1st. So they don't overlap with any of the SVOG grants or the PPP or anything that is currently floating around out there. This is, this is brand new money and it will be um, available. I think that whatever you do, it has to start after January 1st. And I believe you have two, two years to spend that money. This is Joshua Barry. I, I, that, that answers my question. Uh, I was I was a little concerned as as a lot of these monies go. They do have a timeline and a deadline, and whatever amount that there is, there needs to be an equitable way of distributing it, and you know identifying you know those places who have a plan to use it and can get it spent uh, in the appropriate amount of time, so as not to be in violation of them of the granting guidelines and stuff. So two years seems to be plenty of time to spend that kind of uh, th- that kind of money for sure. Yeah, I think you have to specify if you want it for two years or one year. And then I, I think, do we know yet if KCAIC is coming out with, with, with grants as well? Because some of that money also went to the states. Yeah, I believe they, they'll have their own. They're still getting information from the NEA about how to do the state part of it, but I believe there will be some funding that way as well. So if I understand correctly, if we were to be awarded a grant through this program, we don't have to administer a re-granting program immediately. It's not like we have to do it before the end of the year. Or do we, do we know so. that? Okay, that, I mean, that, that would take significant pressure off if this is a quick turnaround, which yeah. a lot of the PPE loans were. Um, you know, I know DLI frantically had to get those funds, you know, from the state granted out. And that's, you know, granting is not an easy <laughs> endeavor, especially when you're trying to be equitable. So my concern is, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but if we did get the funding, are we capable of, of re-granting in an effective way? Yeah. Marlo, if you have the time, I, I do not. I'm sorry. I just do not right now. 
there is a recorded webinar. I believe. I think it's in that email or if you get to the website, I think they have those there. They also have a phone number. I mean, you might be able to call and. Yeah, I'd be happy to just do that and to see if I can get a quick answer to see if, you know, this is something that is worth our time and doable in this short turnaround. Yeah, I, yeah. I would be interested to know, as I read through the stuff today, I, I was thinking, uh, you know, the, the smallest number, you know, tranche, if you will, that they give out is, you know, is bigger than our, this group's annual budget. Um, and so I don't know how we justify things unless we can bring in uh, the new position, part of Porter's salary or something in consideration for that. Um, I thought we might have trouble even justifying the smallest uh, number was just one of the things that I thought of as I was reading through the stuff. So. Well, I would think of it like emergency grants. So, not, so different than our cultural arts grants, which are just programmatic. So those are going to a specific program at small amounts. But I would almost think this would be more beneficial if allowable. Um, it's like general operating support for organizations oh, you know, uh, and like large funds. Like, No, I, I agree 100%. But my, but my inkling when I read the stuff was that you had to justify it to your to your. What you what you spend now, what you do now, what you grant now, and so forth. I, I could be wrong though. Like I said, I just read it, you know, sort of uh, one time through or whatever. But no, I mean, sure, if we could get, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars and and sub sub grant that out or whatever. I mean, I'm all in. That would be fantastic. Um, yeah, Marlo, if you can sort of dig into that and see if there is some. Um, determination based on our grant funding, because obviously that's $25,000 a year over the last few years. Um, I did have a thought, and I'll throw it out there, and I don't know the answer, and I want to be completely ethical, obviously, but you know, the TGT grants don't go through the Art Commission, but they do go through my office. Um, so that may be a factor I don't know. So in other words, the city is offering grants both for arts and culture and events, um, so, but they're two different grant programs through diff two different boards. Although we also participate in that because Mary um, sat, you know, as the um, LCAC representative. So I just want, you know, we let's not forget that. If Marla, if you can do that, would be great. I'm with Jerry. I have, you know, I, I'm spread so thin at this point that the idea of writing a grant. Um, you know, after doing the KCAIC grant and trying to administer that at this point, seems overwhelming to be quite honest. Um, but I also agree if we can get this money and simply regrant it later, that's that's kind of a, a, a deal that we can't refuse. So, um, but then I'm also aware that we have a looming deadline. So, I just want to throw out, you know, as I've been thinking about this and not being conclusive, but. Um, certainly, we can write the grant, whatever we is in this context, um, and or, I don't know if the art Center has the bandwidth to do something like this, but um, could also be that the, the Art Commission just provides a letter of support saying that, yes, the Art Center can write this grant on the city's behalf. Um, you know, those I'm trying to think of how can we do this mechanically to get it done effectively. So I just... Again, not being definitive, but I want to, you know, lay out that maybe there's there's different ways of approaching this and working in partnership somehow. I think that's a that's a 
that's a very thorough way of saying yes. We accept your volunteerism, Marlo. From such a professional uh, and capable person that you're able to volunteer now that the Free State Festival is 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 uh, in the past. Sorry, I have a good window of time between now and the beginning of August, so I can dig in some tomorrow. See if I can get some answers. Like, is this doable? Do we have the grant history to pull off what we're dreaming of? And then what the application looks like, if it's something that can be done in a week or if it looks like it's beyond our scope. Thank you. All right, next on our agenda is an update on the art plus culture plus crossings job description. Yes, so um, the job description is out. Um, we worked that through the city's um, job listing. Um, and so it's out there. We actually have had, I think, quite a few responses. Um, I don't, I was trying to look up the number, but I can't get to it on Wi-Fi. But, um, and then the plan is on, Marlo, help me, July 28th, I believe, we're going to meet. Now, coincidentally, I'm going to be out of town, but um, uh, Maureen uh, Brady in my office is going to cover that and help facilitate that and review those um, applications and uh, with the partner group and then um, determine how they want to move forward if they want to select somebody from that right there or just set up an interview process to get um, somebody selected to start implementing the program so very exciting really it's actually I'm very happy that you know I honestly I wrote that grant quickly um, under duress and but it's it's actually coming together with the outdoor downtown sculpture uh, exhibition really nicely so I, I'm pleased that it's it's doing what I hoped it would do and I appreciate the partnerships in this and you the applications for that close on the 26th I think yeah I think we had a pretty short turnaround so I think that's true and thank you all because I know that you and our other partners have done a great job of pushing this out um, and so we have a wide range of people. And if people do go to the um, job application page on the city, which is lawrenceks.org forward slash jobs, um, that's where the job listing is. And the um, full job description is actually linked as a PDF there so people can see it there. And this is for the coordinator position, program coordinator position for this, which will include selecting up to five artists um, and then working with them to implement their art projects um, somewhere in, in the downtown area or perhaps um, further afield in, in the city somewhere. We left it pretty open-ended. And then we also have the, I'll jump right to the next item, which is the Outdoor Downtown Sculpture Exhibition Call for Artists, which was going to be deadlined this past Sunday. Um, but I wasn't getting a lot of response and I was fearful that we hadn't gotten the word out as well as we should have. So I extended the deadline a week. Um, and then we can, once we get um, responses, we can take a look at whether we need to have a special meeting to select those. Or I thought maybe with Marlowe's help, we could work through the public art committee perhaps and review those um, at that point, depending on how many we get. So um, I'm hopeful that you all will still be with me in you know, we're still coming out of COVID and trying to make things work, um, but that's where that stands now. And please, you know, remind people as you think of them 
who might be interested in responding to that. But that application now is open through the uh, through Sunday night at 11:59 p.m. Uh, and then we have the unveiling, uh, which got moved also, uh, but is now uh, for July 30th at 5.30 p.m. Uh, at the uh, Fire Station Senior Resource Center. And actually, it looks like um, that was somewhat um, uh, divine intervention, will you? Um, because we had a monsoon on the last final Friday, so we decided to, to postpone. And now that we've done that, it aligns with the Senior Resource Center um, wanting to provide celebration for their sort of reopening, if you will. Um, I think Megan's looking at how she can add to the party flavor of the event. Um, so for us, it's the, the unveiling and just allowing Jacob to talk about his artwork and that type of thing. But there probably will be other festivities related to the Senior Resource Center as well. So um, should be kind of a fun event. I don't know if you saw my email, Porter, but I, I, I can probably do the sit, stand in for you on the MC role so long as it's um, I, I have something going on that evening. So I, I don't know how long the time commitment would be, but if it's, you know, 530 to six or 630. Yeah, I think honestly that um, it, you know, people gather at 530, maybe at 540, you do some sort of. Um, recognition and allow Jacob to talk about, you know, what he's done and if anybody else wants to say a few words. And then I think the unveiling part could be done by six o'clock. Okay, great. And then you could, you know, duck out. If, if you could do that, it'd be great. It just happens that um, making vacation plans, I realized I needed to, to leave earlier than I thought. Sure, no problem. I'm happy to do that. That'd be great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Jerry. I think it'll be fun. My pleasure. I, I really like that piece. Yeah, I, I encourage any, anybody that can go. It's a nice start to Final Friday, and it should be, um, I don't know what the weather will do. Hopefully, it'll cooperate, but I think it'll be kind of a fun start um, to uh, Final Fridays. And uh, like I said, the Senior Resource Center may even have some music going and stuff. All right, next up is committee updates, and it says, as needed. <laughs> so, uh, I guess in, in no particular order, does anyone who uh, chairs one of our, our committees have an update for us? I guess we, there should be one, oh, I know, a couple of things I thought of. So, is there an update on the, uh, Marlo on the uh, Instagram thing we were there was some actions we were going to go and look at yeah Porter you and I talked about you know kind of moving forward with it as an informal account and you were going to check with I forgot who it was at the city but I wasn't sure if you'd heard back from them or not no I need to um uh, regroup on that and I will do that tomorrow. Let me even send myself a little note to make sure that I do that. But you and I agreed too that the Instagram account is active. Yes. Um, it is not a Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission Instagram. It's a broader sort of arts and culture 
Instagram. So I, I, you know, again, I feel pretty comfortable that we're within, since we're not tied to the city, that's, that's fine. And, and you all are, are doing, um, so a lot of arts, cultural arts commissioners are involved in this and also great. Um, and it's kind of happening on its own behalf. So I think that's fine. Great. So once I get the green light from you, can I email you the credentials to share with the rest of the commissioners? Because anyone on the commission can post from that. Uh, it can be a shared account that can be used. And I'll share some tips and just some general things that strategic committee had discussed. Again, with the strategic committee, one cool thing is we are now a part of the economic strategic plan um, committee that is happening, like a task force looking at the arts and culture to be represented in the strategic planning process. I was not able to attend that meeting at Theater Lawrence last week because I was in Colorado, but I didn't know if anyone else was able to give a little update on that. A good time was had by all. <laughs> so sad, I missed the wine. <laughs> Happily, there was no police activity, but um, it was a raucous party. Uh, actually, we had a, a very productive discussion, and I believe we're going to be having more discussions. Uh, what we're trying to do is take the, uh, the economic development plan and see how it can be realized through some specific action items. Um, and our vision is a little bit different from the original vision. Is that fair to say, Porter? Yes, and also acceptable. I even talked to um, Britt today, Britt Cromkano, leading sort of this effort and looking at all the different areas. And um, she said that, you know, Ernst & Young did this during the pandemic, and I think we are now getting past the pandemic happily, and so we're looking further beyond that. Um, so I believe that we recrafted sort of the general framework that was provided through Ernst & Young, and we all agreed in it, you know, to uh, using language that was more fitting moving forward, and now the next time we meet is filling in that matrix and who's responsible for what. So, yeah, I felt like we moved, you know, we, we kind of solidified more comfortably what the basis is and moving forward with that, which I think felt really good. So what, what I hear, which I, I like, is, is that, the, you know, we have all these plans, the cultural, cultural plan, the strategic plan, the economic development plan. It sounds to me like we, this group, through uh, the Strategic Planning Committee and Marla's leadership, that we're, we, we're, we're in those things. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. That's great. I, I think that's a, a goal that we had going in uh, uh, to this year, because uh, to me, they were, prior to that, they were sort of these separate sort of things that we didn't understand how they fit together. So uh, appreciate you all's efforts in that. That's great. I, and I can't wait to hear, hear what comes from that. Um, if, I, I guess that leaves us to miscellany. And I just wanted to circle back. I know we've had in our last few meetings, we've had some energy around the TGT and uh, Joshua's, I'm sure, 
working diligently to pen uh, this a, a letter for us on our on our position, and I just wondered if we had an update on that or needed any discussion on that. Uh, I I just know I I, I took some of Marlo's uh, great words uh, previously and just kind of made it more um, appropriate for the Cultural Arts Commission. And Mary Dovton had some edits that were really helpful. And I think, I don't know, I don't know Mary to soften my language very much. It's usually more assertive and, and all that, but she did so. And I I guess that's, from what I understand, that's that's ready for, for approval or review from the commission ready to move forward and, and deliver to deliver to the city commission if i'm if i'm mistaken please mary marlo uh anyone else uh feel free to interject please. i thought it was great and i would love to see it move forward quickly you know because i know they're looking at that budget and like mary i couldn't quite get exactly where we landed in that budget so i appreciate porter's update on that but i feel like this is a great moment now that that city manager's recommended budget is out for a letter like Joshua's to go out formally ASAP, I think would be really helpful. No, no, give yourself credit. That is not my letter. That is, I'm a great editor of things. And uh, you you provided the content and the, and the support and the, everything else about it. That was all you. I just modified. Mary softened some of the tougher language or if I recall correctly and uh, something that's a little more professional than what I was doing and uh, that's appreciated and so it was a team effort uh, originating with Marlo and uh, I, th I think we can do some final tweaks uh, as presented to the Cultural Arts Commission um, and uh, some final tweaks before submitting. Joshua, I wasn't trying to soften it. I was just trying to ease into it so you could clobber. Oh, trick them, trick them. Yeah. But I, I've got to say that, that with the proposed budget, I'm feeling a little frustrated. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, not... I'm not frustrated over amounts of money. That that isn't the point. I guess I am um, frustrated that the efforts that we made to explain the reasons to take the arts funding out of the transient guest tax apparently fell on deaf ears. And I don't know if, if that's a salvageable um, commodity this year. So, uh, so the group we we need to look at. We need to see the draft to approve it to send it in. And, and I hear Marlo saying sooner rather than later. So, I mean, it seems like a long time to wait till August to do it. So, um, well, then I'll since Marlo volunteered already, and she volunteered that letter in its content and 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 purpose and, and everything else. I'll volunteer to um, uh, make the necessary changes uh, that that I think, Mary, you used uh, 
track changes. And, um, and so I'll make those edits and make those changes and, and submit it to the commission as a whole, if that's appropriate. Send it to Porter. Yeah. Don't, don't send it to the commission. That's not okay. within Kansas open meeting act parameters. Um, well, let them, let them come get me. I'm fine with that. I don't know. I, well, I think if I'm not mistaken, I've always included you, Porter, on, on some of those. Yes. yes, and I, but I'm not, you know, this is the commission's letter, not my letter. So I was, okay. I was just, you know, I was aware that you were working on it. I did okay. have one correction with the, the initial date. Um, sure. It should sure. be a year earlier um, for when the transition from, from TGT or to TGT occurred, but that's, sure. that's minor. That's just details. So no, that, think, those are those are good, helpful, and and I think those those details, you know, whatever whatever it is, I submit to you, um, not whatever. I'm not submitting to you just willy nilly, but when I send that letter to you, you make those necessary corrections, and I'm all on board with that. Um, I will I will incorporate Mary's uh, edits and 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 easing. I will add, I will make those changes. And submit the to you in a word document form uh forthwith the, what i sent was a suggestion and and you and marlo can accept the, the suggestions or reject them it's it's whatever you guys think would make the strongest letter okay yeah, i was trying to remember because i know jordan maybe you can help me um I'm trying to decide if this needs formal approval because I think the commission assigned this task to this committee based on Marlowe's letter. So I just want to get clarity on, I'm not, I don't know, unless you went way afield from what that original letter was, um, I'm not convinced that it requires review and approval. Although, it's probably not a bad idea just to make sure that everybody's agreeable um, since uh, this is going I'd to be like to I'm sorry? I'd like to read it. Okay. All right. That's fine. I just want to get clarity on that. So it sounds to me like, Joshua, if you can get me that um, final draft, sure. we would have to call a special meeting, um, which is not impossible. Um, it's just a matter of getting it done swiftly. Um, Ideally, if since we have a majority now, we should pick a date when you all would be amenable to meet, you know, uh, hopefully not for more than, say, 30 minutes or so, just to review this letter and approve it. I would, I would offer up uh, Monday or Tuesday if, if that's feasible as a as a really short meeting time because uh, I can send that to you Porter tonight and you can distribute that and then everybody has a couple of work days as well as the weekend to review and then we can have a conversation on Monday or Tuesday uh, if, if folks are available to review and, and provide some input. 
Um, given that it would be a public meeting, I think Monday's a little quick. Tuesday wouldn't work because we have city commission. Wednesday would be the soonest. I think we could do that. Um, okay. But I also need to double check and make sure that um, um, we don't have another meeting scheduled in this room um, Wednesday. And hang on, I need to... Well, involving this, I'll, I'll just ask, this is Joshua. Um, I'll just ask, for instance, that uh, we, we avoid redundancy. Um, I, Jordan um, betrayed her note-taking secrets uh, to reviewing the recordings and being accurate and comprehensive. But if we have the recordings, are the minutes actually necessary or does the recording of the event actually function as the minutes and so I don't whether somebody's using that office or that room for whatever meetings can we still create a zoom document that no. in our review no. and that function as a no. as a record of our meeting no, we have to legally broadcast the meeting live so that anybody can listen in. That's a that's a Kansas Open Meetings Act requirement. And and what is and what is the timeline that the law stipulates? Um, here, there's no specific timeline. Um, so in Missouri, exactly. it's, in Missouri, it's 48 business hours, um, which I still like to abide by. Um, so my recommendation would be is I believe that if we can meet, we have a meeting scheduled next Wednesday, I believe it's 6 or 6.30. If we could meet at 5 or 5.30 um, to do this quickly, um, that would probably work. So it would be next Wednesday, July 21st, is that right? I don't think I can make that time, but I've read the letter and approved the letter. So I will give my thumbs up. Okay. It works for me. Um, Jordan, I know that's tricky for you with your schedule. Um, could you do 530 or could you call in at 5, 515? Not necessarily. Okay. Wednesdays are my long days, oh, um, okay. so I usually work till close. Okay. Um, but I can try to rush home, and I might be a little late. But I, I can still plan on making that meeting. Okay, and it's not, you know, don't feel badly. I'm just, I want to make sure we have a quorum as well. Mm -hmm. um. Well, and again, it's, it's, it's reading and prepping ahead of time, having hopefully a brief conversation and you know a couple of tweaks here and there so by sure if, if marlo and i and mary have done our jobs right uh that it could take a fraction of 30 minutes 
So by a show of hands, who could meet sometime between 5 and 6 on Wednesday, July 21st? Uh, okay, it looks like the majority with Jordan questioning. What I will do for you, Jordan, is figure out when the meeting is because I think I have to sandwich it between two meetings. Uh, but I'll, I'll do my best to make it as late as possible, and I'll shoot for 5.30 at the earliest if I can do that. Um, if that. Is that late enough for you? I can make it work. All right, well, again, try, I'm trying to make it as painless as possible. So, and you could call in potentially. And if you don't attend, it looks like we would have a quorum. So don't, you know, I don't want you to, but I'm just trying to accommodate everybody. Let me look uh, at that. Porter, Porter, let me, let me ask too, like I, if for instance, Jordan or I didn't see Dina raise her hand. Um, uh, so I can't, I can't make that day. Sorry. Okay. If, if, if we can, if we can still maybe via email, um, I, I don't want to exclude anybody's comments on the, on the letter. And so if Dina or Jordan or anyone else wanted to have some input on that, I think that would provide enough time to provide that input and have a discussion amongst a quorum uh, to, to incorporate or not incorporate and, and have, have some conversation about that in a meeting uh, that maybe that person who made those comments were not able to be present for. Yes. Um, yeah, so this, we have a time range. Um, those who can attend, please mark it on your calendar. Um, what, so Joshua, send me the letter. I'll redistribute it to the commission. Commissioners, please do not share the letter amongst yourselves. Um, but any comments you have, if you think you can't attend the meeting, send those comments back to me. I will gather those comments, and then we can share those at the meeting. Um, and again, I'll try to make the meeting in, in such a way that we can um, have maximum participation. Don't anybody feel guilty if you can't make the meeting. Obviously, we're doing this um, related to uh, scheduling. And um, so we'll work that way. And again, you don't, you know, we'll, we'll do it via Zoom so people can call in as well. And to Joshua's point, I don't imagine this would take a long time unless there was some issue that would emerge that I can't anticipate. Um, but it should be a very brief meeting from that perspective. So does that work for everybody? Yeah, I have a question. So if we are meeting the 21st, what is the date that the city commission adopts the budget? Is that the 27th or is it later than that? It's later. Um, this year okay. is different and it actually is, is later in, um, I think they're actually adopting it early September. So, okay, so I wanted, I did want to say that. So each month the, the commission meets the first three Tuesdays of each month. So as of last night, um, you know, people can come and make public comment. I would suggest that um, you, we finalize the letter and then somebody from the commission and perhaps more than one somebody attend a future city commission meeting and deliver the letter and just express, you know, whatever opinion you want to as a collective group. Um, and to any of you, um, you know, and anybody else that's interested, 
those are the times, the best times to send written correspondence to the city commission through the city clerk's office and or attend either via Zoom or in person um, here at City Hall on Tuesday nights. And um, you get three minutes of public comment um, on the budget. And so you can share your perspectives at that point. You have to submit those first. You don't have to. Um, I think it's, it's not a bad idea to submit it via email and then also then um, speak to it if you want to. Uh, and I'll, I'll just point out, this is Joshua. Uh, Porter, to your point, um, you noted that the commission voted to have Marlo, me, Mary work on this letter. Um, and so we're really kind of going through some additional formalities just to ensure the, the unity of the commission. It's not necessarily uh, 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 something, something that we would have to do, but it's a good step to make. It's a really good thing to make sure that everybody has cast a vote in support of the letter um, after they've read the letter, as opposed to issuing that directive to a, a, a subcommittee, in essence, and saying, no, we will support whatever it is you produce. It's I agree with everything. Except you wouldn't have to do this just because I don't know that we stated clearly in the action authorizing you guys to move forward. But I, I think regardless of that, what you said after is, is most important, and that is that, every, you know, that this be a unified voice, and that's really important. Good. Okay. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, getting a chance to read that and then meeting on it uh, for briefly next Wednesday. Anything else miscellaneous or last minute things that anybody would like to bring up? If not, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Seconded. Jordan, all in favor say goodbye. The record shows everybody agrees that adjournment is a good thing to do. Thank you all. Thank you all.